You're listening to You Should Read This, a comic book and graphic novel review and discussion podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Alan. Hey, and... uh, welcome back. Here we are. <laughs> um, well, we took we took a hiatus specifically for scheduling reasons, I think. Yeah, and like life reasons. And life reasons. Things happened. Um, I think we went away for the holidays, right, is probably what it was our original excuse. And then we just never found an entry back in so it's yeah. not that we didn't want to come back it's just that we had other things going on and we're humans sorry we love you listeners and literally we make no money so it's not a huge priority <laughs> 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 but it's fine we're good we enjoy this we will we will keep doing this thing for you yay and and for us and for mostly just so we have an excuse to talk about comic books with each other I mean, that's true, because um, we don't really have anybody else. It's our comic book book club. Oh, okay. Book book. All I right. Love, um, I love the book book. Just to remind everybody, Ryan, what did we read this time? Uh, so, yeah, we decided it was funny because the decision to, ma- to read and discuss this book was made uh, at a time when it felt like super relevant. Yeah. Uh, Man, my voice is uh, a little raspy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be going through puberty this whole time. How your voice usually is, man. It's Just, fair. I didn't know that, but I'm it's sorry. good feedback to get on air. <laughs> that's definitely one. That's definitely what I needed right now. All right, continue. Why was it relevant, Ryan? I don't. I don't know if you all have uh, the the streaming service Disney Plus where you are, listeners. Uh, but if you do, um, we there was a show on it called uh, The Mandalorian, which was a Star Wars show. Uh, and it was about a, a bounty hunter type character, and Carl Weathers was on it. Um, but one of the one of the sort of interesting or, or neat things is that it had a dynamic that was very very similar similar, and and was referenced in a lot of media as being very similar to the legendary manga Lone Wolf and Cub. And sometimes we read mangas. Well, a lot of times. I guess manga was mangas. That's the incorrect. Manga is the plural of manga. Sure. Okay. It's like deer. I'm pretty sure. Cool. All right. Yes. Uh, I learned something. I'm I'm almost positive, but I don't know. Anyway. So, so we decided to read the first volume of Lone Wolf and Cub. And but, and then talk about it on yeah, a here, podcast. Here's, here's that. It's it's going <laughs> just swimmingly. We're easing into it, Ryan. People are going to have to cut us a little bit of slack. I really hope they enjoy our personalities because they're shining through right now. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. You're getting your money's worth, listeners. You're, you're really getting what you pay for here. That's absolutely true. I really hope that uh, you didn't download this on over LTE because it's not worth the bandwidth. Um, <laughs> unless you have unlimited. Yeah, unless unless you have lim- lim- unlimited. Then At which fun. point, I think everybody has unlimited. I mean, I know some people don't, but I really feel like you know carriers really want you to get unlimited because Wi-Fi just eats into their profits so they might as well just give you unlimited data right sure i mean it seems reasonable to me all right i'm clearly an analyst uh by the way i got d's in all of my economics classes in college okay i, I didn't but it's okay <laughs> okay so um so mangas uh that manga i did it again i put an s on it um so a manga that was written how long ago ryan um 50 years ago Jeez. It was originally written in 1970. I mean, here's the thing that I love every time we talk about. It's crazy that 1970 is 50 years ago, by the way. Like, that hurt me physically I mean, to say. It, it It's crazy for us. It's probably not crazy for people younger than us. 
or maybe even older than us. It really depends on your concept of time and space. I um, only know me, and even then, <laughs> kind of. Well, here, here's what I think as a as the sort of resident anime loser. Um, is I think that manga that had come out of 1970 being 50 years ago is a crazy concept because, as we've talked about on the show before, the concept of anime and manga in U.S. culture is still, I think, I think relatively new. I mean, we're hitting sort of like that 20-year mark, um, depending on what you're talking about. Yeah, which means we have full-grown adults who have never lived in a world where manga and anime are anything other than mainstream. That's absolutely true. I have I have people that I work with that are just over 20 years old, you know what I mean? And they are very much uh, engrossed in just talking about that stuff. Like I, when I was, used to talk about that stuff in high school, I had to find a very particular set of people to talk to about it. And then even then I had to do it in sort of hushed tones. And these are people that from my adult perspective probably are cool i don't know i don't even know if being cool is a thing anymore but assuming that is the case uh they talk about anime and don't worry about it and it's pretty awesome um but this is even 30 years more before that so like a legendary piece of storytelling um in japanese um sort of art form as it were in the mainstream and being alluded to ripped off parodied uh allegorized by star wars which i mean let's be honest has always been sort of ripping off samurais in general but this is oh no doubt this is this has been a very specific feeling um from this book and the mandalorian specifically yeah it it really the mandalorian very clearly sort of absorbs uh, a lot of this vibe um even to the point where like uh, there's at least one episode of The Mandalorian, which is already also kind of like a seven samurai, like we're going to help defend this village sort of a situation. Um, I mean, it's, it's, and I mean, if we want to really get into the history of Star Wars, George Lucas was like in Japan and based the word Jedi on a Japanese word and, and really sort of like took a lot of that for Star Wars to start out with and so it's almost like full circle to have that happen again with the Mandalorian um, but let's talk about Lone Wolf and Cub it's not set in a science fiction future it's set in Edo period Japan with shoguns and samurai and ronin and, and all of that stuff I gotta say that like I have no personal knowledge of the different eras of Japan other than there was um like a, there was a time when everybody was just sort of free for all and then there was like a heavy sort of uh division and then there was unification um and then i think one more period after unification because it might have changed hands once or twice um so as far as like edo period goes i, I know that it's it's um not it's not like a wild west per se but maybe in, in and around I don't know, a hundred years before that or something, like, just to, for concept. I'm actually going to look it up because I just spoke out my butt and I don't want to do that again. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for... It, it is Edo, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so it's... But I mean, like, the the basic story and the basic concept is uh, there's this guy and he is a... And it's it's sort of revealed in this first volume that we read uh, that he used to work for the Shogun... Uh, was it the show? No, he used to work for the emperor. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he was the emperor's executioner specifically. Yeah. Um, and then he basically had some disagreements with the emperor and sort of decided like, hey, I'm I'm out. Uh, and and they were like, oh, you know, the honorable thing would be to kill yourself in ritual uh, suicide. And he's like, no. I'm going to take my son and we're going to leave now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but keep in mind that was like a very dishonorable thing to do. Yeah. Like that, that was like hardcore social political suicide. Yeah. It was either suicide. literal suicide or social suicide. <laughs> so it was either literal suicide or social suicide with a chance of murder, <laughs> like getting murdered. And basically like open season on you for anybody. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, the Edo period was between 1603 um, up through 1868, so it's sort of a big, long period of time. But yeah, I did get it sort of right, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> but it's 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 basically the same period of time as like early North American colonialism up mm-hmm. through the Civil War. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like the discovering of America, and then some colonialism, and then like the foundation of the U.S., and then you know the U.S. starting to branch out on its own, that kind of thing. So right before, um, right before the U.S. I think was allowed into Japan. I don't think Edo period allowed many, if any, foreigners. Because the first ones I know they opened up harbors to the Dutch, but that's a anyway. That's different. Forcibly anyway. We're not going to get into the history of Japan here, but this is clearly like sort of probably the earlier side of that because there's definitely not a lot of like guns, trains, steam engines. Yeah, yeah. Guns seem few and far between, and seem more like muskets than rifles. Uh, so you can sort of place it with that. Somebody's just sitting there chatting at their, at their uh, podcast playing device. Nerds. Which fine. I mean, That's first true. of all, if you're listening to this podcast, I got bad news for you, dude. And then secondly, I don't think you should hold any podcaster to any sort of historical standard because that's way too deep of a quagmire. I'm just going to say some stuff and you can either listen to it or skip forward. There's a fast forward button right there, I promise. I mean, and, and you're probably already listening at like one and a half speed anyway, so let's be real. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about the book because the book is this guy who um, takes his son and leaves because his wife is dead. Um, and he's about to get arrested by the emperor for some other reason. He's supposed to, he's about to get like his honor and his title and literally everything taken away from, from him because everything that he has is basically on loan from the emperor. from the emperor. Like, he doesn't... He doesn't make money off of this and then go buy his own digs. Like he lives for with and for the emperor. So so if they come in and take his title away, he's losing literally everything. Probably his life too. But on the same side of things, he serves as a proxy of the emperor and is the only one other than the emperor who wears like the emperor's specifically specific signet or seal or whatever, which gives him some power. Yeah, I don't know how to describe like the concept of uh, seppuku and a trigger man, <laughs> which is essentially what it is. Um, you might have to do a research on that. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's an unstoppable killing machine. He's John Wick with a samurai sword. That John Wick with a samurai sword is still John Wick, but I do understand exactly what you're saying. <laughs> he's John Wick in Edo period Japan. There it is. Yeah, um, except for a dog, he has a kid. Uh, he's he's the Mandalorian, but instead of Baby Yoda, he's got a child. I mean, that's if you hadn't figured that one out at this point. I mean, uh, yeah, he uses like he uses the kid as ambush material, as a bargaining chip, as just like sometimes he talks to him like "You're my son and I love you," and then sometimes he talks to him like "Well, here we go again, kid," and like leaves him by the side of the road and like goes kills some dudes. 
I love how people are constantly like, well, no one would put a kid in danger like this. And he's like, no, yeah, no, I would. <laughs> yeah, that guy, it me. That, that, that's me, I'm the guy. And his kid's like, ha, 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 I'm going to pee on these fat, on these, uh, on these idiots. And then they're I like, we're going to murder you. And he's like, no, I'm going to murder all of you. It's literally that and baby Yoda meme. It's literally that Baby Yoda meme where it's like the Mandalorian with a gun and then the next the next screen is like Baby Yoda looking down all intent and it's like, yes, die, scum. You know what I mean? Have you seen this meme? <laughs> yes, yes. It's like, <laughs> that's what this is. It's the exact same thing. Except that is built into the narrative is that meme as yeah. intent. And except swords. Except, <clears throat> except swords. Which, I mean, there's a lot of honor and a lot of swordplay based around like people getting mad at him. Like, number one, he's an assassin, so he gets paid to kill people. But he also gets in a lot of, like, bruh fights. <laughs> like, just, bruh, bruh. I, honestly, it, it feels like almost every single time he gets into one of those fights where it's, like, just dude squaring off against him. Like, three pages later, we learn, like, oh, he was supposed to kill that dude. That's true. Yeah. But he needed to do it in an honorable way. So the guy challenged him to a duel. He killed him. And now it's not like, oh, you illegally murdered him. It's like, oh, well, you got in a duel. And you happen to also make five hundred thousand dollars doing that, or like, or, or he did in the context of wartime, so it was fine. Or, yeah, every so how many stories are in this? Because we read volume one. Yeah, right? we read volume one, and it's got uh, a few. Yeah, it's got a few page. stories. Where are you? We're trying to figure uh, out exactly how many. I'm, Wait I'm for looking it. for the table contents. There it is. Oh, and they're not numbered. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This nine is stories. Should have prepped. Nine, nine stories that are about what? Twelve to twenty pages. Twelve to eighteen pages, depending. Uh, probably look like they average around thirty pages. Twenty to thirty pages. Wow, really? My brain did not register that. Because honestly, I was reading each one of these, and every time it came on, it just felt like a new episode. Like they sort of start clean, and they drop you in the middle of a new story, and you sort of pick up the pieces as you go, because you know manga. And um, and each one felt, uh, you know, removed from the other, which was great because it felt like you were just watching episodes of a TV show, like a serial, like an old school, like yeah. Green I Hornet mean, serial. It was serialized in weekly manga action in 1970. So, and and also like Green Hornet and that stuff was contemporary to this at the time. So, it. it it makes a lot of sense for it to feel both very serialized, but also very like, you know, 1970s, 1970s action TV show. Cause like, that's literally what was contemporary at the time. Um, but I like that about it. And I liked going from story to story. Now, some, I mean, in case you weren't aware, this is a grown up book for grown ups. Yeah. It's, it's uh technically it's Wikipedia classes it as Sanon manga manga. Uh, is it S-E-I-N-A-N? Yeah, how do you say that in regular words? Sanon, yeah. Okay, yeah, I got it right. Which means youth, but it's really intended for adult young men. And you can tell it's intended for like 13-year-old boys because there's a lot of blood. And obviously it's rendered in black and white, but like a lot of blood and guts and like half of a head and like here's the brain. Also um, boobs. There's a lot of yeah, boobs too. There's there's a a, a hefty helping of of nudity in this book. I would definitely put this book like it would it would be on the the more mature end of '90s based, you know, Western comics. Like nah, this the is max. this is like 
Yeah, this was like a Marvel Max series. This would be this would be rated like M for mature or whatever in the U.S. Yeah, the, maybe the equivalent of like the first God of War game. Maybe the second and third God of War games also in that okay. region. <laughs> Just trust me, Ryan. Here. Okay, I'll trust you. Is that on? Can I play that on Nintendo Switch? No, it's PlayStation. Okay, I don't have that. I have, don't a, worry about pl- it. I have a PS1. Uh, nope, PS2 first. What? Yeah, well, you missed 2006, sorry. Um, I was, I was <laughs> busy graduating, getting married. Oh, well. Yep. Moving forward. Mold. Um, right. <laughs> awkward pause. Um, okay, so as far as the story goes, I mean, I don't know what we can really do to dive into each one of these stories because, number one, it would take way too long, and number two, they're kind of the same formula? Like, we already talked about how he gets hired to kill somebody, but you don't know it until the very end. So it's sort of like this big, long unraveling. And yeah, that's definitely like, I feel like the first half of the stories are very clearly like, we see him do some cool stuff. And then later we figure out, oh, somebody hired him to do that. Uh, And then there's also this undercurrent of like, he's just a good dude. I don't know about good. I would say like, Uh, I would say like a lawful neutral. (laughs) Yeah. Like he's, he will help people when they need help. And he is kind to people. Yes. He's not gonna he's not gonna he's not gonna leave you to die. Like if you really need help, he'll like throw you some cash or some water or like take you to town or whatever you gotta do. He might expect money at the end of it, depending, but I mean he's not gonna just be like, Well, you don't have any money? Sorry, peace. Like he he usually ends up helping people. Yeah, he like gives people an out. Like even if he's gonna kill somebody, he's like, Okay, well you know, are you a good person or are you a piece of crap? And if they're a piece of crap then he just kills them. Uh but it's always like a I don't know. It seems, it it seems like it's probably like that on purpose because it was generally intended for younger people. So there had to be some sort of like morality aspect to it. But he's he's very clearly like, he's not just a guy who runs in and and he's not just a murderer for hire. You you see him as more of like a, like like more of like a vigilante who also happens to be getting paid. I definitely think like the word. Like the the Western conception of Ronin Samurai, kind of definitely, kind of definitely, <laughs> fits in here, um, because you know he does, he he's not serving anybody other than himself. He definitely just has his own means, and he is, you know, doing what he's got to do. He's really really good at it. He's sort of, I guess he's, I mean, Wolverine, is is he just Wolverine or is Wolverine just him? I mean, yes. I, there's like a there's a whole lot of that in there no doubt frank miller yeah i was gonna say you said frank miller yeah frank miller did the covers for the the dark horse translations of these and he is on the record as like this is my number one inspiration for a whole bunch of stuff up to and including the book ronin and uh and sin city and things like that so frank miller who sort of wrote the first series that was the modern incarnation of wolverine in which Wolverine goes to Japan and kills people. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's probably a lot of inspiration there. Wolverine did not have a baby. Um, no, but he did no. have Kitty Pride. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And then later he had Jubilee. And neither of them have, like, attacking abilities. Uh, that's until Kitty Pride got trained as a ninja. Yeah, which feels very circular there. Look, man, it's X Men. We already did that episode. Let's not let's not roll backwards. 
Um, so, yeah, I got to say that, like, as far as this story goes, if you're familiar with the the steely-eyed uh, Ronin-type um, samurai story, uh, then this is a good book, and you should, hey, you should read this. Um, the other, but as far as going into and, and really extracting the nuance from it, I think it's going to take several more volumes to sort of uncover um, a real good analytic, which is weird because I feel like the reason we started this show is because we wanted more material to work with so that we could be more specific with our analysis of stories and make sure that we have like a good overview of kind of like what the author is going for, what the art kind of uh, does, um, like, you know, get the jitters out after a first issue. That's that's generally why I think uh, we decided to do this show as as long format comics. Um, but, but this one being so many stories is, uh, not helpful in that direction. Um, I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. That's good radio. Go for it. I say this as someone who's watched a lot of like unserialized episodic, like procedural television, uh, like a lot of CSI and NCIS and X-Files and all that stuff. And one of the things that this does well and that those shows, when they're done well, can do is, like, yeah, like, in the first half of the book, maybe the first, like, five or six or four four or five stories, it's we see him being good at doing the thing that he gets at. He's, he's, uh, he's got a very specific set of skills. He's... Um, what's, what's the He's the best at what he does. Yes, and what he does isn't very, isn't very nice. He's... Uh, we see like that that's the first half of the book we just see him doing that over and over just over and over like there's no way anyone could ever get through this defense oh my gosh they died (laughs) Um, like that's that's the first half of the book and you establish like oh this guy is just an unstoppable killing machine and then we get we get one where he's like also nice to people and like he you know he meets a nursing mother on the trail and she's like I'm not near my baby and I'm full and it's really painful. Can, you know, can, can I borrow your baby for a bit? And it's like, it's nice and it's sweet. And then eventually somebody dies. Uh, and then, and so it's like, okay, okay. It's kind of taking a break, but we still get the idea of like, wait, he still killed a dude. So we still, we're still solid in the story. And then we have one, um, the one with, with all the lady assassins where they're setting a trap for this un, unkillable assassin. And it's the first time you're like, hang on a second. People know about this guy. Are they going to actually stop him? Because you feel like for a second, like, oh, no, he's, he's not going to make it. And he does, you know, obviously. Um, but, then, but then you get you get caught in, it seems like the second half of the book is less about him just being a killing machine and more about him getting out of situations where people are trying to kill him. You know, there's there's the one where he ends up in the in the hot springs, and there's you know a couple other ones where it's like you you see this character and you've in you've already internalized and you're used to like his standard way of working, and now you see him in different situations. How's he going to deal with this? What about when these guys come after him? And this just when you feel like okay, I got a good handle on how he would act in a weird situation. It's like okay, cool, backstory time. Let's show how he ended up on this path at the, in the first place. And it's like, oh, now it makes sense why all these different people are afraid of him and why um, just the sight of him scares people who've literally never seen him before because they're like, oh, that's, we knew that that was the Emperor's assassin and he escaped the Emperor's guard 
but you don't find out that to the end. So it, it sort of colors everything that's come before and really sets the stage for like, okay, now I'm going to see bigger conflicts because we're going to see the emperor actually trying to catch up with them. So I think in that sense, it gives you like a good arc of the character in that you get to see him, you know, with his specific set of skills over and over, you get to see him then put in complicated or strange situations with different people and how he deals with them. And then it sort of introduces like, okay, here's the beginning of the story arc. Here's the beginning of the myth arc. It's like the first half or the first season of a long running serialized TV show. Think like, uh, like law and order or CSI or, or uh, specifically a really good example is X-Files because it starts like monster of the week. Okay. This happened. Okay. This happened. Okay. This happened. And then it's like, Oh, what if, what about a weird situation? And then eventually it's like, oh, hang on, all this stuff t turns out to like slightly tied together in this series finale or season finale, and then and then it makes you want to read volume two. And I think that that's what this one does. Does that make sense, or is that just a word vomit situation? No, I mean, that, I do. You, you could just do this episode yourself if you want to, like, just keep going for another five minutes. We'll be done. Uh, no, that was a very good point. And like halfway through you explaining it, I'm like, oh yeah, I have seen that more than a couple times that's a good point i don't know why i didn't apply it to this specifically i guess because i i guess because i figured i didn't see enough of him acting in multiple different situations it always seemed like it ended the same way you know as most as some manga does um but uh no you're you're absolutely correct like you do get little bits here and there and at the end of it you're supposed to sort of piece it together and and take a look at it from top down. So no, you're you're right. I will I will absolutely concede that it's not a bad play. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the things that like I've always really liked about serialized storytelling um, is uh, and to like go on a little bit of a rant right now. I'll just just step up on my soapbox here. Um, one of the things that I like about sort of like Star Trek: Next Generation, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, X Files, like shows in the mid 90s and before when they wanted to tell like long uh, so uh, we're talking about tv shows but it, the same can be drawn to comics but but going back to tv shows well i mean easier. yeah it's all just storytelling with a script right so. yeah it's an easier point of reference for tv shows is like before they we established the like pl pattern of like event series of tv like we have now with like uh you know uh, what's that one that everybody hates now? Game of Thrones or, um, you know, a, a lot of those kind of shows where every single episode serves to move a specific plot forward, the main plot forward. Uh, before that, we had shows that um, were essentially like Monster of the Week or or Single Thing Happened This Week stories, and they could be shown kind of interchangeably. Watching in view or viewing order didn't matter. If you missed an episode, it wasn't a big deal. Um, but there was this sort of shift in in the mid 90s where the people who were writing the shows realized like hey like there's there's things we can do here where we tell a story in slow motion over a really long period of time it can have more emotional weight um and people who don't like watch the show regularly it's not gonna they're not gonna miss anything it's not a big deal people who do watch the show regularly are going to find a whole lot more depth and a whole lot more things to like um and and the same thing had happened in shows in the past. There's a lot of shows, you know, from the 60s. I mean, there's the Star Trek sort of did that in a little bit of later seasons and a, and a lot of other shows that started to do that where they would actually tell, like, longer serialized stories. And, and it was, you know, 
TV executives didn't like it because you can't sell reruns if people are like, oh, well, which episode number is this? I got to make sure I watched it in, right, in the right order. Um, Definitely built for a world with streaming. Yeah, so it, it's a totally different world now. But it's 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 been kind of the same for comics for a while, with the exception of there are some long-running series, but, but comics in general, for the most part now, at least mainstream U.S. comics, especially big two, they're told in miniseries. Um, I mean, obviously, Image dominates because one of the things Image does is is most of the time it's a miniseries. It's a it's a five issue. It's a six issue. It's a twelve or a ten issue miniseries, and they have longer running ones. Uh, you know, Wicked and Divine, East and West, both of which I love. But but after, but every single issue drives the main plot forward. And there's very few issues that are are kind of like side stories that that explore the characters. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but it's a different type of storytelling. I think there's a benefit to like a storytelling where Superman does just like a, a different thing every week. He saves a different person. He does a different thing. And you can sort of in the margins of the story build a bigger story about who Superman is or why he does what he does um, and and tie it all together over 40 or 50 issues the same way that this can can sort of give you a bigger picture of who uh, the lone wolf and cub are over like nine stories told in a row. It's it's a different type of storytelling, but I think it's still valid. I, no, it's still valid. Obviously, I I think that the um, the concept the 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 terminology I want to use is like dime store comics. You know, where you would pick it up off the rack and it didn't really matter. Um, you know, like the like the old DuckTales comics that we read, like the whole concept is you should be able to pick it up, uh, spend a dime, and then get a story out of it and be done with it, and it doesn't really have to carry over, which is why we have how many years of continuity um, from DC and Marvel where they want to, you know, reference something that happened in Golden Age comics, uh, but it's like, that was never intended to be canon, hence why it was sort of all kind of crazy, um, but, uh, or at least not canon in 40 years later. I mean, it was supposed to be like a, a silly superhero. Yeah, and this is this is almost sort of like bridging that gap because if we look at the time period, like this is before American comics were really being serialized more than like a two or three issue arc. Um, but obviously, this really heavily influenced serialized comics in America in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, I I definitely think that uh, Japan has had their comics game a little bit higher than us <laughs> than the U.S. for a while. Well, then then there's also Europe to consider, which is a whole other uh, thing. Yeah, and and Europe had it different too because the the and I, I, part of it is the like publishing format. Like in Japan, they have weekly manga serials where you can pick it up. If you pick it up every week, you're gonna get uh, like a eight or nine stories. Story. Yeah, and and then you know eventually they're gonna collect uh you know all the stories of this one character in a book and and you know depending on the writer and clearly these this writer and artist decided like oh well let's make this all tie together let's make this all like a big long form thing instead of like oh what hijinks are they gonna get into this time so yeah but it's and in Europe they they had it different because the publishing format was the I can't ever say it right in French but like the the um. It was the publishing format was the albums or the band's destinies, you know, the um, th- where it was like, oh, this is very clearly volume one. Come back in a month and you can get the next volume or not even 
in a month. Come back in three months and you can get the next volume of Tintin Story or you can get the next volume of, uh, you know, Asterisk and Obelisk or whatever. Um, and so it's just like it's it's I guess we could go on a different soapbox and say the different ways that these were published really you know affected it but no but american comics once they you know they were able to tell really good serialized stories in the exact same format that american comics comics had been published for you know 20 30 years at that point mm-hmm. yeah i i love when we get to read that's why i love reading manga because i feel like it's just a different I mean, you and I have such like a strong background in Western comics is kind of what like brought us together as like friends and and podcasters in general. But that's that's also why I love reading manga uh, specifically because, you know, I've been into it for for a very long time. Um, But it just gives like such a different viewpoint on the comics industry, not just like uh, Eastern versus Western comics uh, and not just like. Uh, you know what Japan does is weird but like well it's not weird if you look at it from this perspective so that's why we have a hard time oh man uh, that's why we have a hard time uh, <laughs> not bringing manga recently <laughs> I think we're like fighting to have to bring stuff that's not manga because we enjoy reading it so much yeah oh it's funny I've been reading uh, 20th Century Boys uh, I'm I'm on to like volume like 13 or 14 or something in there but the the way that that book plays with serialization, like it's telling like three stories simultaneously in different time periods and it full on like for one of the timelines, it had like a three or four volume cliffhanger Hmm. where it was like, Oh, what's going to happen. And then the next volume didn't touch it. The next volume didn't touch it. The next volume didn't touch it. The next volume at the very end was like, Oh, Hey, remember this? And then the, the volume after that addressed it. I was like, <laughs> I was angry <laughs> because I was like, well, I got to find out what happens. And so I've got to read all of these now. So thanks a lot for the homework. And like each intervening volume, it was like a character study of a different person and, and like introducing new characters and another fourth timeline and all this stuff. And I'm like, I just want to know what happened on New Year's Eve 2000. <laughs> well, I mean, the other... Here's another thing talking about serialization because um, I just uh, picked up One Piece again, um, the show, not the manga, but I have read the manga a lot to get to the point where I am in the show. And um, it just occurred, like, that's one of the longest running, most successful one of, not the uh, longest running, most successful, like, manga slash anime, like, ever. It's been running since 1997 in Shonen Jump. And it's been doing it weekly. They're on chapter 923. And there is not like a volume that is collected or a chapter that goes by that they don't reference something in somebody's origin story. Like it stayed canon and true to every single character and their motivations for 923 chapters. And like think about like 923 chapters of Superman and then calling back to something, not like just his origin story, that would be different, but like something that happened like 300 chapters in that is now coming back to pay off in chapter 900. That's insane to me. That's, I mean, since 1997, Superman and Batman have been rebooted easily five times. Yeah. Easily. Like minimum. Maybe more. And, 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 uh, uh, the one piece characters just get cool new stuff to do, but they're the same characters for the oh. most part. That's it's, crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy in two ways. Cause on the one hand, it's like, like I'm not gonna jump into One Piece now. I don't. I don't want to read 900 volumes of manga to to 
to catch up or 900 chapters probably uh 900 chapters yes yeah but but on the other hand it's like oh man i'm kind of sad that i didn't get it on the ground floor of this because it would probably be really cool it's the same way as like oh yeah i have read you know 30 to 50 years of x-men backstory so now when someone references lalandra i know what they're talking about (laughs) and i have feelings about it as opposed to like oh you mean that weird bird space lady who loves xavier um like no you don't understand it it's it's very similar it's just that like the i think the the one thing in common is like x-men for a long time had chris claremont just like one piece has the writer and artist who's doing one piece like it's it's a consistent creative team aichiro oda by the way um but yeah he but here's the thing though is manga is also different to read and even in lone wolf and cub i got the same sort of feeling from a um a manga from 50 years ago where each page has so much packed into into it that number one you don't need as many panels or if you do have as many panels as most western comics have they don't have as much dialogue if any and so like a chapter that's 22 to 23 pages per chapter you read in gosh i want to say like seven minutes yeah oh yeah absolutely it reads fast in in an hour right you would read twice as many manga chapters as you would uh, issues of western comics so i mean hey man if you want to get in if you want to get in on one piece now like i mean it would take you definitely some time but i don't think it would take you as long as you think that's fair that's fair uh hey so let's talk about let's talk about the people who made lone wolf and cub i'm going to read a bunch of names and then i want to talk about the art uh so the story is written by kazuo koike and art is by goseki kojima uh, translation that we read is was translated by Dana Lewis. Um, Dark Horse cover, specifically. Yeah, we, right. it's interesting uh, because the Dark Horse version was one of probably the earliest manga to be brought in and translated in the U.S., so it's flipped. It's uh, like Akira when we read Akira. Uh, it's actually been flipped right to left, so it reads like a Western comic. Uh, where you read across the page from left to right instead of from right to left, which is how manga normally goes. I mean, that has its own arguments, and I'm sure some people might be mad at that, but yeah, I'm 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 fine with it. I could do it both ways. Uh, it's whatever. Yeah, but I, I my understanding because I've looked at it a little bit, like actually translating comics, uh, especially like manga into English, is it's a lot of work. Like especially with sound effects and and different things like that. And so you have to I, I clean it and then re put it in again, make it look like it was designed to be there. Because this translation was done sort of like so long ago before people were used to reading manga in the United States or, you know, people who are English first readers reading manga weren't used to the flip books. Then like this is the major translation. They did all the work. They're not going to like redo all the work to to read it left to right. Or right to left. And they even put in the back of the book, it's like, look, some things we just can't translate because they don't have a translation or it would be dumb to translate them. So here's a bunch of terms that if you're not familiar with, just look up in the back. Like terms for swords or for money or for like um, uh, types of, of rituals or, or areas, etc. And it's and this happens in anime too. Is when you do a translation, you you can't just translate the words you have to translate the context too so a lot of effort goes into that yeah hey let's talk about the art it's manga 
it's, it's, <laughs> but it's like early manga. It's real brushy. It's not screen tone. It's not computer lines. It's like, I feel like everything was done with a brush or a quill. You can definitely tell that everything is brush or pen or whatever it is. Like every stroke is visible. But I do think I'm trying to find a spot that does use screen tones. But maybe you're right. Maybe there weren't none. Because there's definitely a lot of places where there's like speed lines and stuff like that. And I'm used to those lines being perfectly parallel because someone used a you know parallel screen tone for those speed lines. And in this one, it's just like he took a very fine point brush and went. And so it's, there's a little bit of overlap. It feels really, oh, man, it it. It, there's something about it. It just feels more dynamic, more like alive, I guess. Um, I think I found a couple here. I'm going to try to show you this. This right here. I think those might be screen tones right okay, there. Okay, yeah, because, I, I agree with you there. That's well, he could... Shots. Yeah, because while he could do that in by hand, I definitely think that he did a little bit with screen tone. But you're not wrong. Like, the, the rampant use of screen tones and... and more modern manga this definitely is like you can tell how much effort went into each of these uh concepts strokes characters backgrounds the backgrounds are gorgeous by the way like the shadows are perfect oh yeah when when they have them but yeah they're yeah and i I think i wonder if part of it is like screen tone was more expensive and harder to deal with in 1970 than it is now because now it's just a you know it's just a brush it's just a layer in manga studio or on photoshop I mean, I used it yesterday. <laughs> Just select the thing and then waggle your pencil around. Although there's definitely a couple of times where there's a drawing with like screen tone overlaying the whole drawing, so the whole thing seems like in shadow or like kind of puts things in silhouette. It's it it I love it, man. It knows when to do the long shots. It it feels like watching a Saramari movie. Have you ever watched like? Uh, I was about to say it feels like a Kurosawa movie. Yeah. It's just reading a Kurosawa movie, and and I love that. Yeah, I mean, then they made a bunch of movies. Yeah, I mean, it, it's also the feeling I got watching Mandalorian too, which is crazy. But you know, weirdly enough, is um, it's also how I feel about. Uh, I'm gonna roll it. I, I mentioned I was watching One Piece again. And it definitely feels like the Seven Samurai, Lone Wolf and Cub, like old samurai movies uh, are still influencing that as well. Like you have the long shots of everybody walking together, like the sort of tumbleweed standoff situation. There's even like a, a theme song in the show that happens when, you know, uh, things are getting sort of ramped up. But it's not like a modern, like, uh, it's not a modern music. It's like horns. Like, you know, like from the, from a 70s Japanese, like, movie of some kind, and it plays this little melody, and it feels like just an old samurai movie. But in this cartoon that was, I mean, this one realistically was, like, 2007, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Well, it's crazy how much, like, that sort of westerns and samurai movies have influenced each other. Right. And, like, the the Italian involvement the spaghetti in westerns. both of those. The spaghetti <laughs> westerns are a lot of times very based on, like, samurai movies. I mean, like, the most obvious one is the movie The Magnificent Seven is literally a Western remake of The Seven Samurai. Like, literally, it's it's the same plot. Which is super, uh, I don't know about, it's not like a ripoff. It's just more like the same story for a different audience. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like it better when they sort of reimagine a story than just, like, doing it again, but this time in English. <laughs> but I mean in in 
in the year 2020, I mean, the xenophobia of watching a, a movie with subtitles is is not as prevalent. Not as prevalent. What did what did the did you did you see that quote from uh, Bong Joon Ho, who is the writer and director of Parasite, which won the the Korean movie that won Best Picture? He said, "If you can get over the one inch barrier of subtitles, there are so many movies out there waiting for you to explore." Yeah, well, we're working on it. We're getting there. And it was it was like a dig, but but I I, I liked it. It's like, oh yeah, that one inch barrier of subtitles. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about those award shows. I don't know. like Oh, oh sure. But I, I can tell you that movie's good, and he's made other good movies. And there are a lot of good movies that aren't in English. Uh, <laughs> but I do know people who like have trouble with subtitles. So I mean, some people, it's difficult for them. But Yeah, some people who don't read fast or who have issues with dyslexia or other things, like, yeah, dyslexia subtitles are, are a legitimate issue. And I mean, okay. at my house, we watch anime dubbed okay because i have children i mean here's the thing i have a lot of thoughts and ideas about dubs versus subs (laughs) in general you you do you because i i do both but for for different reasons so anybody that comes up to me and tells me dubs aren't worth it i'm like look man there's a lot of factors you're not considering here and i will defend dubs but that being said if I'm out of episodes to watch, and there's one more, and it's subbed. I'm gonna watch the one subbed. <laughs> sure. Oh, I've I've watched tons of anime subbed, but like, if I'm watching a movie with my kids, not all of whom can read, we're gonna watch Totoro dubbed. We're gonna yeah, watch I Castle mean, in the obviously. Sky dubbed. Um, Ghost in the Shell. It's a good idea. The kids aren't gonna watch Ghost in the Shell. That's not appropriate for them. I mean, Cowboy Bebop is close enough. It's fine. I think that the version of Cowboy Bebop I own has actually both. I mean, here's the... Okay, we'll get into... We're not doing this. Okay. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Did you know... Here, I'll, I'll end it with this. Did you know that in Japan, there are arguments about if you should watch King of the Hill dubbed or subbed? Uh, Pixar movies, too. Yeah. So Because Pixar, Pixar movies are huge everywhere. So think about this. Like, there are people that argue whether or not you should watch Pixar movies in English. I'm, like, I'm just glad that everyone internationally agrees that it's an argument. Ooh, I wonder what the general consensus is for Marvel movies. Like, do you watch Marvel movies dubbed or subbed? I, I mean... That's an interesting... I'm going to look that up. All right. All well, right. That's, a, that's a discussion for future. Uh, so, so Lone <laughs> Wolf Let's get a Patreon, Cub. and then we can have that podcast. Lone Wolf and Cub, Alan. What do you think? Um, I think... Weirdly enough, I think you should read this, Ryan. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like this is the oldest book we've read easily uh, is it? i'm gonna look at the list and it's it feels vital it feels like you're reading comics histories uh akira is definitely you know battle battle angels definitely later uh, yep 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 no you're right Continue. Yeah. It, it feels it feels like it doesn't feel ancient it doesn't feel the way reading a 1970s superman comic book does or even watching a 1970s movie compared yeah. to now you read it, and it's the language of comics has remained relatively consistent for 50 years. Well, manga, anyway. It, it, Yeah, I mean, it's grown and developed significantly, but, like, right now you read it, and it's like, heck, yeah. The, the language of manga has, yeah, I'm impressed. It's It was good. It's real good. It's real, real good. Okay, let's do the social things. So would you say that you should read this? Did we I already, already do this, that? Yeah. Okay, I, wasn't, I, I already said attention. we should read this. Yeah. I said it's weird that you should read this. Okay, yeah. 
Okay, let's do the social thing. Do the social thing. So um, the podcast is called You Should Read This. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at YSRT Comics. You can find us on Instagram at You Should Read This Comics on Facebook with that same URL. Uh, do people use URLs for Facebook? I just search for You Should Read This Comics on Facebook. Um, they'll find it. But get, tell us things. Tell us you listen to it. We really like have uh, – no, it's kind of hard with all of the different various streaming services for podcasts. It's really hard to know that anybody listens to our show at all ever. So please – Send us feedback via your preferred social channel. You can also leave us reviews. I think you can leave us reviews on Spotify now. I uh, think you can. We really need the reviews. Like, honestly, it helps way, way more than anybody knows. Like, we can't get any sort of clout. Uh, you know, if you want if you want to send us to Comic-Con for free, leave a review. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we, we have nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. We ain't going for free this year. Thanks a lot, Comic-Con International. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, please, please just tell us that you exist. Tell us that we're not just throwing this into the void. Or if we are, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's we're fine gonna too. keep. I mean, we're gonna keep doing it. Just the hiatuses are gonna keep happening too. So if you want lazy. less hiatuses, more reviews, fewer hiatuses, hi hi hiatai. Hi no, that can't be it. Alan, do your social stuff. Uh, you can find me at marginally talented uh, on Instagram. It's spelt marginally talented. On everything else, it's M R G N L Y talented. Uh, I've been drawing a lot of stuff recently because I found a cool new style that I like playing around with, and it's pretty easy to churn out iconography. Um, you know, I don't have to make things up anymore. I could just steal somebody else's and make it cool looking. You did a little uh, slice <laughs> of life the other day that I really liked. Yeah, I want to do more autobio comics. Um, Jen always gets on my butt about doing those. And the problem is that out of everything I do, the comics take the longest. <laughs> so, like, it's a good six to eight hours of for four panels. And meanwhile, I can just do, like, another, I don't know, Keyblade or something in, in three. So, anyway, um, marginally talented pretty much everywhere. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Ryan Roop. On there, I probably occasionally post politics, so I try not to. Uh, and talk about comics and music. And then I'm on Instagram at Ryan Roop where I post like weird synthesizer noises and food and some musical theater stuff because I guess I'm into that now. Um, <laughs> and pictures of my kids. And uh, hey, podcast land, I'm having a fourth child. So Woo! there's that. So get ready for another hiatus. Get ready for another hiatus or we're going to have episodes like all the time because I'm going to be bored out of my mind. We'll find out which one it is. I think with four kids, it's probably going to be that first one because I'll be trying to sleep. We're just going to have to like record at midnight or two a.m. Whenever you get your 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 shift. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hang on, I got to feed the baby. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Uh, we appreciate your support. Um, I definitely wrote down a sign off for this and then completely forgot it, which was oh, you go read a book. Bye.